Today's episode is brought to you by Campbell's. Campbell's knows you have a lot to balance at your senior living operation. Our soups are crafted with ingredients you'd be proud to serve, and we have options for diets like reduced sodium, gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan. Find your balance at campbellsfoodservice.com. Sponsored by Campbell's Food Service. Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering menu, food, and drink for both brands. Today I'm talking with Bar Raymond, Vice President of Procurement and Dining Services for Commonwealth Senior Living, a network of 35 communities based in Charlottesville, Virginia. Bob has implemented many innovations at Commonwealth including a hospitality training program for dining directors that has cut the turnover rate from 75% to 20%, and the installation of hydroponic microfarms in the dining rooms that provide fresh salad greens for residents. Next up is a test of robots that can be used to bus tables and deliver mail. Listen as Bob describes what he admits are the crazy ideas He's successfully brought to Commonwealth's menu and operations. Welcome, Bob. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me on your on your podcast today. So as um, VP of Procurement and Dining Services for all of Commonwealth's 35 communities, how many residents do you serve? Uh, we're currently uh, running about 2,500 residents now is what our current census is. Wow, that's a lot. So what was your culinary path to get to the senior living segment? Is that something that happened right away or did you have some different steps along the way? Um, actually, um, I, was, uh, I started out in the restaurant industry and I started out in the restaurant industry about 30 years ago and working my way up from an entry level position uh, through uh, different different segments of restaurants from quick serve restaurants all the way up to fine dining and then I made a decision to uh, move out of the restaurant industry and more into the business and dining end and contract feeding and I was with contract uh, a contract food service company for about 15 years and then I was recruited by uh, by a recruiter uh, to come to, into the senior living industry, I really had no idea about the senior living industry and about especially about the food services in the in senior living industry. So I decided to actually go and visit some independent communities, some assisted living communities. And I seen the skill, the skill level was not what I thought it was going to be. It was actually a lot more. And the dining offerings were what I would consider on the upper end of a, a nicer restaurant from what I visited. And I thought I could really have an impact uh, in the operations. And that's kind of how I got into senior living. And it was, that was in uh, 2006. So just that about 14 years ago. And I wish I would have known about the senior living industry earlier in my career. Uh, Cause in the restaurant industries, you're working, you know, six, seven days a week, every holiday, every weekend, every night. And, uh, from a family perspective also, raising a family is extremely important to me. So I made the switch into senior living. 
Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of senior living chefs that they're really glad that they made the switch. And why is it a particularly rewarding place to be working now? Uh, especially our organization, we really, we really take pride in what we do from all disciplines, not just dining. Um, we work for a, a great, a great. Uh, we're privately owned. We got, we have great leadership at every level. We recruit from the best in the country. I feel uh, from every level, whether it's uh, dining services, maintenance, housekeeping, everything, um, programming, sales and marketing. I truly feel that for our organization and uh, we stand apart from a lot of other organizations. Everybody is a participant in our company. You're not just so big that you're just in, in a number to, in, to the organization. Mm -hmm. Well, what in particular differentiates dining operations at Commonwealth? Can you talk a little bit about the menu and the setup? Sure. Uh, again, it's a little bit different now, unfortunately, during COVID, but mm -hmm. pre-COVID, pre, pre um, we are very uh, focused on everything that we do is scratch cooking. Uh, everything that we do is fresh ingredients. We have a program which we won in 2015 and continue to win awards for. It's a true farm to table program where we have contracted 47 local farms in Virginia to supply all of our communities with in-season produce. And our goal is 85% of all of our produce purchases are from these 47 local farms while it's in season. Mm. Um, also, too, uh, we, we won another award in 2017 for uh, another program we call Today from the Bay. Um, we have contracted with four different fishing vessels in the, in the Chesapeake Bay, and all of our fresh seafood comes from those, comes from those, um, uh, those fishing vessels. So everything we do from, from uh, everything is from scratch. We try, we, we have no prepared entrees or no prepared um, foods at all. We have a fresh bakes program, a fresh bakes program also too. From our menus, the one thing that we do about our menus is we do not have a corporate based menu or a regional based menu. Uh, what we do is we bring in, um, it's kind of a rotating group of dining service directors um, for our, our menus for the spring, summer, winter, fall menus, we bring in about between six and eight dining service directors from all areas of where we cover from the four state region. Um, the dining service directors figure out what they want to serve the residents because everybody's just a little bit different. What will go in the western part of Virginia and also in Tennessee will not go in the eastern parts of Virginia and also up into Maryland. And then up in the Pennsylvania market, um, it's a totally different menu. So we allow our chefs to really get in, develop the menu that they want within the, fi within the financial guidelines that we give them also, because we do, we are a, um, we do have to re be responsible for our per resident day costs. And so we allow them to do that and we allow them to manage that. And also too, if they know that a community is very specific to a specific meal per se, or a entree, we allow them to manage that. And the one thing I, I again, I wanna say this, we do not issue a corporate 
dictated meal. It's mm -hmm. uh, we, we really engage our dining service directors. They know what their residents like. They understand what their residents like. This is their home, and they're going to serve the they're going to serve the meals to them that they like the best. And especially with our farm to table program, we really select to there might there certain farms are very very uh, particular to certain areas. We will serve all of that fresh produce in those communities. And then a few things that we do too. We can't do it this year, but we do it almost every other year, or we do it every year without COVID, I should say, is we actually have the farmers come in with their harvest, and we have the residents be involved in whether it's uh, snapping the beans, uh, husking the corn. We, we bring back so many memories to our residents. They just are so engaged and they love it. And we have a lot of fun doing that. Um, even some of the orchards that we use, they bring in their fresh apples. We have the residents working and, you know, peeling apples for the apple pies and stuff. And it just brings so much joy back to them and seeing them, uh, what they used to do, you know, in their, uh, in their youth. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So do you have a dining director at each of the 35 uh, facilities? Yes. Yes. We got, uh, we have 35 dining service directors, um, in each, uh, I'm sorry, in some of the larger communities, we have a, a dining service director and then also an assistant uh, manager also. Mm -hmm. So did you meet any supply chain challenges during the pandemic? I'm, I know a lot of people were having trouble sourcing and you know things were not getting to their endpoint on time and or in enough quantity. Did you meet any of those um, problems? Um, we, we began preparing for this in January of this year. Um, mm. From a procurement standpoint, I have a lot of contacts in the industry, outside the industry too, which were, I kind of knew things were coming. So from a PPE standpoint, we had purchased almost all of our PPE um, in late January, early February. Um, we built up a significant stock of PPE. And we, we purchased it all when the costs were extremely low. Uh, so we did not go through that panic of paying ridiculous prices for PPE. Um, then also too, during, during the uh, initial phase two, we worked very closely with the states to get PPE supplies, et cetera. So we worked very smartly and intelligently on this with the contacts that I have already. And then from a food standpoint, we are, our major distributor is U.S. Foods. We were working with them. We are actually one of the first, I think, in the country to begin the process of ensuring that we had enough product on hand. So the long or the short answer to your question, Anna, is we did not experience the problems that a lot of others that I know have faced uh, just because we did a lot of preparation for it. We purchased in advance. Um, there was never really any time that our residents or employees had any type of suffering or uh, did not have the tools to do their job mm -hmm. because we, we did the initial purchase. We work with a lot of local, uh, also local meat distributors, um, and the prices we negotiated in advance, we locked down our prices. So we were overall from our standpoint, 
uh, we were not as effective as a lot of uh, our peers in the industry. We did help out several other companies with getting with uh, sourcing PPE because we had we had some stockpiles, etc. Wow, you were really smart. Do you play the stock market too? Uh, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it sounds like um, you did a lot of things correctly and right and quickly. So that was really was very smart. Uh, the one thing that we did not do was we did not go to disposable containers when we were serving residents in rooms during the pin during most of the pandemic. We continued doing our standard, which is China, you know, uh, metal flatware, etc., because this is still their home. And, you know, some of these residents have not been able to leave their rooms for months and months at a time in no visitation. So we didn't want them to feel like, I'm going to say this in a nice way. It's not like you're being fed prison food, you know, it's coming on a tray or anything. We wanted to make sure that our plate presentation was always there. We wanted to make sure that the delivery is positive and we would have contests of our employees dressing up, having fun, having, you know, when, when the uh, baseball season was on, when the football season was on, uh, those type of things, what we would do is we would, we would engage our employees to kind of dress up a little bit. So they would be engaging in conversation with the residents too. Um, so we did a lot of, we have, and we are still doing that as we're in, we have some communities that are back on lockdown because of active COVID, COVID cases. And then we have some that are in a phase three in Virginia that are, you know, basically we, we have, we're back to doing dining rooms with the correct social distancing. So did you have to change the setup in the dining room, like move tables further apart or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Every, everything is done according to CDC standards and guidelines and the state of, and each state's guidelines also. Did you have stations or buffets before that you've had to eliminate or was it all table service? Um, no, actually we eliminate, we don't have any in Commonwealth, any uh, buffet stations. Um, but what we would do in certain areas, we would do, like a Sunday brunch, you know, those type things where we'd have display cooking and those type things. We just haven't been doing them since COVID. Will we get back into those for our larger communities and independent communities? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Cool. And so are you still doing uh, meals to take out or delivery to some residents? Yes, yes. Uh, there, are, there are still some residents who still wanna, even though even though they're allowed to go to the dining room and eat, they still want to, you know, for their own personal safety or a family recommendation, they still want to eat in their rooms and we still provide that to them all during this. Uh, we don't do delivery fees or room charges or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's all part of managing through this process together. What were some of the more popular meals that you did to go during the height of the pandemic? Uh, Every community is a little bit different on that. I, I think one of the biggest things is as long as it was a comfort food, mm -hmm. um, you know, as long as it was a comfort food, that was the key for a lot of our residents. Of course, they all get breakfast, you know, that's, but uh, we got a lot of requests for comfort foods. Right. And then we got a, we got a lot of requests also, believe it or not, for just sandwiches and stuff. Mm. 
you know, which was, that was kind of odd. It was, uh, it was just, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks uh, just felt more comfortable, I guess, would be with, with quick, more quick sandwiches. They're eating by themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I will tell you that our soup, our soup consumption, uh, act, even during the summertime actually went up, uh, mm -hmm. which was, which was kind of, it was a little bit different, but we, we noticed that in the, I mean, it was, I would say comfort foods would probably be the biggest increase, uh, you know, when they place their orders, we would find that a probably 85% of our residents were choosing comfort foods versus the alternative. Right. Well, you've always had um, a priority to do monthly changing seasonal menus. So can you describe how you plan and promote the seasonality of these menus? Sure. Again, um, kind of like what I mentioned about the, uh, we bring in a group of chefs. Actually, they just, they, they were here for, uh, in September. They plan out a six-month strategy. Mm -hmm. And also what we have is a whole program called Dining Delights. So each month, whatever the community is with the dining service director and the activities slash program director, they can choose one of our dining delights. Now, the dining delights can be anything from um, uh, tea, uh, tea tastings from across the world to different ice cream socials mm -hmm. to barbecue events. And then what we would do if... Um, if they choose, I'm just going to use the barbecue event or even a shrimp boil, we would actually, one of them is, this was, went very, very good on the East coast of Virginia. They did it. We did a shrimp boil and we actually had the pot as we were going through the, uh, uh, on a very nice displayed cart and we would serve it right out of the pot, right out of the shrimp boil, right to the residents. And they had more fun with that. Mm -hmm. Um, then we did, we did another one where we had a barbecue, uh, of actual barbecue. And we, we, the, the dining service director at this one, it was, it was so neat. He took a brand new mar barbecue, like a charcoal barbecue, had it on a cart. He didn't put the legs on the barbecue and was serving all of the stuff right out of the barbecue. And it just made them feel like, hey, I'm eating outside. And the smell of the barbecue is really, you know, they do a lot of that kind of stuff. And in our Dining Delights program, they have a total of 37 different items that they can choose from if they want to do it. We like them to do it every other week. Mm -hmm. uh, but, during, but during COVID, we're doing it on a weekly basis just to break things up for the residents. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like being on vacation there. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we, you know, we're coming into November now and the holiday season. So what's on the menus, order on some of the menus anyway for uh, the month of November? Uh, well, we have a lot of, uh, again, the more heartier foods coming on board. Harvest foods is what we call them. And then also for uh, Thanksgiving, we're running the same, um, obviously, a turkey and a ham for Thanksgiving and then also for Christmas. We're running the same meal for both meal periods uh, unless somebody wants to change up. Um, this year is going to be a little bit unique and tough again because some of our, you know, a lot of family members want to come in to see you know, their family members and they, they won't be able to, um, or they want to take their family member out, you know, for a, a dinner or something. 
it's it's going to be a it's going to be a unique a very unique and um every, i think everybody needs to have, be patient and understand that all we're always trying to do the best for the residents and sometimes when family members aren't allowed in a building it's it, it's very difficult for everybody but i will tell you after 7 months in this now um Nobody wants to get used to this or we don't want it to be the new norm, but I think everybody understands that we need to protect the residents and we need to ensure their safety. Mm. Do you allow families to come in to share meals or like if they're in the individual's room? No, they have to schedule, they have to schedule time with the family member and depending on which phase it is, I mean, they have to come in the time and temp Mm -hmm. All those questions have to be answered. Right. And then we have uh, 30, 30 minute scheduled allotments at this time right now. And we follow exactly what uh, the CDC and one of the, whatever the state guidelines on, that's what we have to follow for the safety of the residents. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you talked a, a bit about comfort foods and how they are really in demand, but how do you balance comfort and health? Well, we have uh, if all of our, even our comfort foods, everything is, is um, uh, um, assessed and signed off by uh, our dietitian. Mm -hmm. So she'll go through there after the menus are made, she will look at everything. And if we do have a little bit more heavier meals on, um, she makes recommendation to move them or, you know, eliminate them. And then um, also, it's as long as we have what the minimum nutritional, not minimum, what the nutritional requirements are for the state, mm -hmm. um, as long as we're doing that, that's where I'm at. And also the ability that all the, all the dining service directors know exactly what their residents like. So that's kind of the balancing act. We give the, the overall template on how to what we would like to see but if they feel they want to move something because of a request or you know sometimes we'll have a lot of healthy meals you know over a three to five day period if we need to move those a little bit more or add a little bit more the mm -hmm. dining service directors in those locations have the ability to do that so you kind of balance um you know part of your comfort foods with more healthy options correct yeah, yeah. correct so are some of the residents open, or the newer residents, I should say, open to more um, global dishes, you know, not just Italian or Mexican, but some of the more exotic cuisines for, you know, lack of a better word? Um, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. And especially in, in the more um, uh, suburban areas. Mm -hmm. In the rural, in our, we have a lot of rural communities so they're more, if they, if they can't pronounce it, they don't want to eat it. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, what we have found also is it's all in the wording on the menu and it's all in the, it's all in the presentation and the communication from the staff to the resident. It's like anything else. Right. Have you ever tried, have you ever tried this before? No, I haven't. Just try it and see if you like it. And if, if you don't like it, we'll get you something else. Um, we have found that we don't want to get too fancy on wording with menu with especially in the menus because it's unfamiliar 
so the residents won't won't eat it. Um, what we do is we kind of look for a different term or a different name for it, and then we put, especially something new, we'll put more of a descriptive on there. The other thing that we do is we have before we our pre-service meals in all of our communities, we have our employees taste everything. So if we are introducing something new, we want them to taste it so they can go out to the resident and they can promote it also. Hey, I just ate this. It's fantastic. Why don't you just try it, you know, Mrs. Smith? And if you like it, we'll get you a little bit. Or we also do the sample, just bring out a small sample. They may try it. They may like it. And hey, I'll take that as my entree. That's how we kind of also do the promotion on that. Right. That's kind of like what restaurants do with their staff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So does Commonwealth or any of the locations have a bar program? Is it busy? Yeah, we, in, in all of our communities, we do not. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't, or, well, we have one that has a, a bar, but it's not, you know, we don't charge, we don't charge for anything. So we have a hospitality night and we just serve maybe some beer and wine, um, you know, more of a happy hour for, I think it's five to seven. But typically, yeah, we do not, uh, we do not charge for alcohol or have a bar program. Right. So they could bring wine to dinner if they prefer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as we look towards the future, and we, we are all very optimistic that it will be a very, you know, a different and more normal future. So will you be expanding grab and go or changing up catering or what are you planning maybe for the next six months, say? Um, we don't do a lot of catering outside the building. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot for our sales and marketing teams and for what we call outreach. We do a lot of that. So that's not going to be changing. We will continue to do that. Um, we are looking at how we package things um, because doing, we have, a, we have a standard of packaging. We're looking at upgrading our packaging for that because since this, there's a lot more companies have uh, come up with some great ideas and great ways to package. So I'm looking at that. Mm -hmm. And then we, we as a company, we don't have small C stores or anything in our communities. So we don't do a lot of those type things. Um, so kind of really for the next six months, um, I'm looking at some other things right now, but it's, it, it's more about the dining uh, and the training of employees and getting employees, you know, also to the next level in training. That's where my focus is right now. Right. So are you doing one-on-one um, -on -one training or is it more like video training or are you using digital components? We, we do a combination of both. Mm -hmm. And we're actually working with uh, the Pineapple Company uh, or the Pineapple Academy uh, yeah. on doing on doing training, um, uh, digital training, which we're actually in the process of starting three test communities. Um, we'll be doing a 90-day test, and um, I really think this is something that's going to hit our industry very positively. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm giving them a plug too, so if you want to do that, that's fine. But um, <laughs> no, they're, they're, that. so that's interesting. They're yeah, they're very. Uh, I've been looking at online training. I've done tests in the past, 
and it just didn't have it, it was it wasn't the right time this is the right time to do this now mm -hmm. because you know we can get people there's there's certification levels there's graduation levels um, they've really done a very good job in this so I'm really excited to be working with them on that um, the other thing too and I know one of the things that we looked at is uh, we do we created at Commonwealth our center of excellence so um, and that was strictly as a result of excessive turnover mm -hmm. back in 2017 we had a turnover rate on dining service directors about 75 percent we knew we weren't doing something right so we as an organization made a decision at our flagship community in in um, charlottesville virginia we made a decision that we are going to do every dining service director that we hire is going to go through the center of excellence they're going to learn all of our standards first before they go into the community hmm. um, since we did that, and Lara Irwin is our uh, director of the Center of Excellence, um, she's been with our organization at six years. And we, we as an organization made a commitment to staffing the community correctly. Any needs that it would, any needs that it would need, uh, anything that it would need, it had so that we could train people. Uh, we spent probably almost $200,000 in that first six months, getting it to what a real center of excellence should be. We have had graduates all come through. <clears throat> the goal is once a dining service director is hired, that they go through the center of excellence within 30 days. By doing that, we took our, we took our dining service turnover from mid 70% down to 13% in wow. 2018 and 19. And so far this year, we're just at 20%. Um, also, too, just recently, and we actually had the award yesterday, um, Lara Irwin in the Commonwealth Center of Excellence won Dining Service, dining service Director and Operation of the Year for the Senior Dining Association. That presentation was actually yesterday. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Congratulations. Um, yeah, it's is very, very good. And then everything that we do in the center of excellence not only did we take dining services as the first leader to go ahead and do the uh, the training for the center of excellence or the center of excellence training our our maintenance is now doing the center of excellence our programming is doing the center of excellence and our business office managers are doing center of excellence uh, we will have sales sales and marketing executive and um, nursing all that community will be certified to be all anybody that comes into the company goes to charlottesville for a one to two week period to train um a lot of organizations look at this and they say it's an expense we can't we we can't afford right now but we made up that 150 dollars in a matter of in a year just by the by our, by our own turnover so when you take people from the beginning and show them the right way, they also feel part of it. We have a graduation ceremony. It, it, it is really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, we also got sponsors from Clark Soup Food Service Equipment. They give us a whole culinary knife kit for them to take. Um, HD Supply does it for maintenance. Uh, um, 
Staples does a whole thing for the business office managers. So there's all these different things that we do along the way. And then we have a very nice publication that goes out for everybody too. So they can see who has gone through the center of excellence. So it's not just dining. It's a whole concept that we embrace as an organization to say, this is, this is the right thing to do for our new people. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing that we've done at the center of excellence, which we started and I, I think it was in one of your questions. Um, the one thing that I was looking for to complement our farm to table and our today from the Bay um, during the off seasons, especially I wanted the ability to continue to have fresh produce. So I had been looking at hydroponics for about a four or five year period. And I've, I looked at different operations on how it can be done. It was always extremely too costly and too labor intensive to do it. So in, uh, uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, <clears throat> these two Virginia, uh, University of Virginia graduates, they came up with a, uh, they started a company called Babylon Microfarms and it's 100% enclosed. It's uh, very easily managed. Now we've, we've been working on this. It's a little bit over two years now. Um, initially, the design that you see there is kind of, at the end of the day, it's my CRISPR design. They had a, I mean, they had great ideas and everything, but it was not visually attractive because my idea on this was I want the micro farms to be in the dining room so that the residents can see the product actually growing, but I needed it to be, and I say this in a nice way, I wanted to look sexy. I didn't want, I didn't want it to look bulky and, you know, unattractive. So um, what we did was the other thing is one of the projects that we worked on to the, I have very good dining service directors. I don't have good farmers. Okay. So the dining service directors, it needs to be, it needs to be not a labor intensive. It needs to be kind of non non-thinking they shouldn't be managing it every day right. so also too with the babylon working with babylon they came up with an app so everything that's managed in the micro farm is done through an app so it tells you when to plant when to transfer when to harvest when to clean it it tells you it gives you a notification so it's almost and I want to say idiot proof, but it's almost idiot proof. Yeah. So it's all 100% self-contained. The only thing that we need is a power and Wi-Fi and uh, a water, just a quarter inch water. Once it's put in there, it, the system, once you put the seeds in place, basically 30, 45 days later, it's ready to harvest. Yeah. Um, then you clean the whole process takes maybe an hour what i call from seed to harvest and cleaning is another hour but when you do this um so the cost on this was very important to me also and the cost from especially if you remember back two years ago we had all of the seminella uh, seminella i'm sorry all the recalls for the um uh for the different leaf lettuces etc and the all there was just you couldn't get it so the cost of those products tripled 
Mm. So we were still using the exact same amount. So with this, we've done a few things. We have fresh produce, leafy, leafy greens, uh, herbs. We have uh, microgreens. Uh, we have it 12, 12 months a year. It's growing right in by us. It's fresher because it's literally right from the tray to the plate. Mm. Okay. Meaning we harvest it right from the plate. We have nights where we have, we're asking who wants a salad. We go in there, we clip it right in front of them and we can serve it. Um, the one thing, yeah, the micro farms, again, completely, they, they didn't think about senior living. So we wanted them completely sealed, enclosed so that nobody can stick their hands in it from a safety and security standpoint. Um, we needed to have some security put around the bottoms. This is all kind of behind the scenes and working with them. Mm -hmm. um, the fans were a little bit loud at first. Now we've managed that process. Um, we grow seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, and then the cost of having the micro farm there is an ex almost an exact wash for the, uh, what, we, we, what we would be purchasing for fresh produce. So some other, some other non-intended impacts were that we eliminated one delivery per week, okay, from a diesel truck, from the wear and tear on a diesel truck, the fuel, and uh, even from a diesel standpoint, we figure that we've saved over 20,000 gallons of diesel a year just by what we've done so far. Wow. Well, yeah, we're very proud of it. It's, you know, it was, initially, I got to tell you too, Initially, when I brought this, everybody looked at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> and then I said, no, let's try it. I'm a firm believer. If it works, fine. If it doesn't work, at least we tried, right? Yeah. Well, we tried it. Um, our goal was to have all uh, 35 of our communities have the micro farms installed by June of this year. Obviously, that didn't happen because of COVID. But right. we just were in, we're in the process we installed one last week and we're installing four over the next four weeks. Uh, so we are, we're behind about five months on the installs just because of COVID, but we're on track now moving into the last quarter of this year and we should be done by Q1 of 2021. So all of our communities will have those in there. Wow. That's exciting. Yep. Very much so. So as we move into 2021, what are you most excited about? What are the crazy ideas do you have? That, I mean, you're the one who called it crazy, not me. I think it was a really cool idea, but is there anything else that's like a pie in the sky idea that you want to try? Yep, I'm going to be doing, um, I'm going to be doing robots with bear robots. Oh, cool. And they're, uh, they're actually with, uh, again, too, we were, we were hopefully going to have these already in place by now, but they're not. Um, so that's our Q1 project. And it's, we're going to be using them for all of our, um, we're going to start out in our independent communities for busing tables, delivering drinks. Um, and these things are, um, if you, if you get a chance, go on uh, bear, bearrobotics.com. Um, I'm working directly with John Hall. He's the uh, founder and CEO and they're already, they're out of uh, San, um, yeah, they're out of San Francisco. They're already in some um, restaurants out there. There's a few in senior living, 
Um, I've been looking at this for at the beginning of the year and I was ready to ready to make our move on this one. So the answer is yes, because in a lot of our, again, pre-COVID with the unemployment rates or with the, uh, yeah, with the unemployment rates being so low, it's very, very difficult to get employees and then also to work in senior living. You know, it's especially, especially more difficult because you, you're not earning tips and those type things. So <clears throat> I looked at what the cost of a, one of the one of the robots are versus our turnover in those in those segments of our labor force. Um, we could afford several of these. We don't have to worry about call offs. We don't have to worry about drug tests. We don't have to worry about background checks. We have everything. You know, one of these can take, and then one of these robots could take the place of one to two. Um, and what I, the 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 dining workers like a, a busser, you know, that's what I'm looking at. I'm not re looking at replacing anybody else, but also too, the same piece of equipment can be used to do other things in the community, i.e. deliver mail, um, you know, deliver, deliver paper in the morning, those type things. Ooh. So I'm looking at it from a multi-use standpoint too. Ooh. Well, I'm sure it'll be a real conversation starter around the table. <laughs> Yeah, again, everybody looks at me and says, where do you come up with this stuff? And it's, it's right there. You just got to go grab it. Sometimes the craziest ideas are the most successful. Thanks for sharing yours, Bob. And please join us next time as we explore more trends and innovations with future guests on MenuFeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Campbell's. Campbell's knows you have a lot to balance at your senior living operation. Our soups are crafted with ingredients you'd be proud to serve. And we have options for diets like reduced sodium, gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan. Find your balance at campbellsfoodservice.com. Sponsored by Campbell's Food Service.